Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. And then I started looking at some websites, new websites of different churches around the area. And many included this phrase, want to experience the good life? Then come to blah, blah, blah church and you will. You will. If this good life could be turned into a product, everyone would want a piece of it. Nothing would be more profitable. Can you imagine selling such a thing, the good life. Everybody wants the good life. I mean, that's why most people live in America. Why do, you, why do all these people cross the border? What are they coming for? The good life, you know? And though this is something to be sought after for many, this good life has slipped through their fingers, but today you can have yours for a deal or a price. This may seem ridiculous and absurd, but the entire, we have entire industries on TV that want to offer everybody the good life. We have entire religions built on our dissatisfaction with life as we know it. Life-changing products fly off the assembly lines. We want the good life, literally, and we're willing to pay for it. Today, many will pay and drop everything that would even give them a taste of what we crave. The problem is we weren't, we weren't created for just a nibble of the good life. We were de designed to enjoy the whole thing. And until life reaches into its deepest regions of our being, we'll find ourselves disillusioned, annoyed, and victimized by the latest quick push life-changing life gizmos and gadgets. How many's ever had a gizmo or a gadget and you just got tired of it and you tossed it? Have you ever looked at, you know, I looked the other day in my closet, I had a couple of flip, flip cell phones. Flip cell phones. Do you know there's still people in America that use them? Still use, they can't get rid of the flip. Can't take pictures with it, can't do anything with it, except call your three friends that you have. And, uh, but our quest for the good life has led us to, into the time we are living in today. And it's called, I don't know if you know this, we're living in the information age. It's, I mean, it's everywhere. Information age. Uh, on my TV, I, I, I have Cox Cable. I've had it probably one of the longest customers Cox has ever had, probably 30-some years. Every time they call me, oh, thank you for staying with us for 30-some years. You know, I get this, this, this like a dating thing. They want, they want to date me or they want to sell me something for the good life. 
You know, but I have a, we have on our TV this app, apps. It just says apps. And you, go, you hit push the button and you got, I mean, 40 different apps on your TV that you could watch. I was like, I don't have time. You know? But there's so much data today. So many podcasts to listen to today. Right, John? <laughs> Books to read. TED Talks to watch. Conferences to attend. People to meet. Photos to take. Experiences to have. I mean, I don't know about you, but I... Telephones are like... They're, they're, they're today's computer. You don't need a desktop anymore. I had a lady tell me on uh, just, just a couple of days ago on social media, she said, if you want to earn, anybody, if you want to earn $772 daily you know, with no investment, just PM me and I'll hook you up. And you can do it right from your cell phone. You don't even need a computer. Well, the cell phone is actually is a computer. It's just a new computer. Amen? But with this abundance of data, how can we know when we're headed in the right direction? I mean, if you were online, how many's ever been online lately? <laughs> and looking for the best-selling self-help books, you will find them with these titles. Organization, how to organize your life. Minimalism, how to... Reduce so that you can enjoy the good life. Busyness, productivity, confidence, success. Parenting, <laughs> teamwork, sexuality, making money, managing your money. When I was on vacation in Myrtle Beach, I was with people who were trying to make money and then manage money. And that's all they talked about. And they were believers. Investing money, printing money, etc., etc. And many of these books come with a promise that if you'll just start doing this, your life will change for the better. There's a promise with these books. One book will declare. I mean, we have books, stores in America that are bigger than malls. Books a million. Why is it called Books a Million? Because there's over a million books in the store. And they all promise you that if you buy their book, your life will change for the better. <laughs> One book will declare that less is the key to happiness, offering foolproof ways to manage your frantic pace of life and encouraging a relief from busyness so you can enjoy an unhurried life free from the tyrannies of always doing something again. Yet books abound. That will assert that more is, well, more revealing, never before heard of tricks to do more with less time so you can accomplish more with the free time you have. Would you like me to repeat that sentence? You like that? Okay, let me give you that one. I don't have that book yet. Books abound that will assert that more is, well, more revealing Never before heard of tricks to do more with less time so you can accomplish more with the free time you have. Human, the human race is one of being on a chronic pendulum swing. 
Our lives get too busy, so we make work-life balance and make, make it our singular pursuit. Or we find ourselves complacent. How many of you have found themselves complacent and getting soft? And so we find countless ways to energize our vocations and our pursuits. Each month, I say month, I should say each day is a new diet. How many has been on three diets in the past month? Each day or month is a new schedule technique, a new productive app, a new parenting method, a new religious experience, and the list has no end. We are chasing something we can never seem to catch. We are looking for something that other, that other than what we have known. And I myself love learning. I love new ideas and exploring new tools. But over the years, I found that most products think too highly of their transformational power. They may help us manage life, but guess what? They can't give us life. Even the best of them. And today, people want comfort. Value, the good pace of life, success, and better relationships. And you can put etc., 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 etc. after that phrase anytime. We want to feel alive, be alive, but could it be that we are dissatisfied with what we have found because we are chasing shadows instead of pursuing the life we were made for? Deep down, we know we are destined for more, and it drives us crazy. And outside of Jesus... There is no good life. Can I get two amens? <laughs> Outside of Jesus, there is no life. Good or whatever. Only existence. Because we were made for life. The God-infused kind of life. And until we experience this kind of like life and make it our pursuit, we will find ourselves hopelessly dissatisfied with the status quo. And we know from last week's teaching that we were created for more than what we can see in this world. God did, after all, according to Ecclesiastes 3.11, last week I said 3.1, remember that mistake, put eternity in our hearts. Amen? I want to look in the Bible with you, if you have your Bibles. If not, we'll help you. John will help you. I'd like to look at three accounts of a story Jesus tells about how anyone can find the good life. How many want to find the good life? You're convinced now. And if you want the right book, I have it right here. It's called the Bible. Okay? One that will last even into all eternity and beyond. Each of these accounts capture different facets of the story. So when in explaining this story... I will be drawing from all three. The first one I will draw from is Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19. I had my tassel in there, but I can't find my tassel. Oh, there it is. They stick in the middle of the Bible. Matthew 19, verse 16. Jesus, now my, the title on my new Spirit-filled Bible on this verse says... Jesus counsels the rich, young ruler. You know how many times I've read this? I've never seen the word ruler. I never looked at this person as a ruler, as somebody who had a status in the 
ruler kind of concept of a person. But it says, it says this in that verse, Now behold, one came and said to him, Say, good. Good teacher. Say, good teacher. They're talking to Jesus. They're calling Jesus a good teacher. Right? What good things shall I do that I may inherit, that I might have eternal life? What shall I do? How many know what do is? Do-do, right? It's the law. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But just that one. Let's go to Mark, the next one. Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, verse 17. Same, same caption. Jesus counsels the rich young ruler. And Mark 10, 17. Now as he was going out on the road... One came running. This, this dude, this ruler, was running. Amen? Isn't that what it says? One came running and knelt before him and asked him, what was his two words that he asked? Good teacher. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? We'll go on more with that in a few minutes. Let's go to Luke Chapter 18, Luke 18, verse 18, three accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I don't know why John didn't get on the bandwagon, but for some reason he wasn't interested in the story of the rich young ruler. <laughs> Jesus counsels the rich young ruler, that's what it says. And it says in verse 18, now a certain ruler... Asked him, Jesus saying, what? Good teacher. This is very important to know. Good teacher. Because everybody in America is looking for a good teacher. A guru. Somebody who has insight into something that can help them find the good life. The easy life. The comfortable life. You know, something that we can just slide through life and there's no problems. We have no problems because... We got the good life. Amen? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so this story begins with this eager young man who is wealthy and possesses great status among the people of his time. He is young, rich, and famous. In other words, he's living the good life. Wealthy. Rich, young, famous. And when you read Luke's account, he gives us a reason to believe he was also a synagogue official and a member of the religious elite of that day. It was very obvious that this man was important. Upon seeing Jesus and running to him and capturing his attention, he implores these two words, good teacher. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? It's called a works mentality. What must I do? When Jesus said in John 19.30, it is done. But the human mind wants to know, how can I earn my salvation? What must I do to get eternal life? 
But Jesus said the greatest work you can do in John 6.29 is believe on him, God, who sent me. And if you believe that, you got it made. Amen? But what does this person begin to do? First, let me call him rich, Mr. Rich, young man. If you notice, I just put three words together. He calls Jesus teacher. Secondly, he sees Jesus as a good man. And so he appeals to Jesus' goodness. And thirdly, he respects Jesus and believes Jesus is capable of giving him the answer he seeks. Otherwise, rich young man wouldn't risk his dignity. Remember, this is risky business for someone of young man's stature because Jesus was an unlearned man. Never went to college. Never was a businessman. Never was an entrepreneur. He was just a lowly carpenter. Ultimately, a lot of people who lived at the time of Jesus had no idea that he was the creator of the universe. And in fact, he created all of them. They, had, they were clueless. But rich young men also believed that eternal life can be earned by an act of goodness, and more specifically, an act of goodness performed by him. Do you ever wonder why so many of these guys can stand on the freeway day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and make a lot of money? You know, they're, they're, they're employed. Those boys are employed out there. They have people that come and pick up the money at the end of the day. They don't take it home. And they just get a small little wage for conning the guilty who are looking for the good life. And if they do one good deed, help this poor, innocent, homeless person on the corner out with 5 or $10, maybe God will like them today. Finally, rich young man is seeking eternal life. Something he has not attained but greatly desires. And rich like all of us has an innate dissatisfaction with the life he's known. I mean, why would all the news programs, 3, 5, and 8, all the news anchors, all of them say and talk about the good life if there was no such search for a good life? Why would Channel 8 have a movie, I'm not a movie, a TV show about food called The Good Dish and have a good list for you having a good life if it wasn't something that was capturing people today. I'm talking about today. I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about the information age we live in right now. There's a lure. There's something going on. But with all this being said, let's see how Jesus responds to such a noble request from his distinguished man. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He's not giving it away, is he? If you would enter life, just keep the commandments. Let's step back and reframe the interaction by answering this question. If, is rich young man appealing to the goodness of Jesus' humanity or the goodness of his divinity? No, Mr. Young Man sees Jesus merely as human. And so Jesus, as any human must, says no one is good except God. He played the game. 
He played the game with the question. Jesus was and is both God and man, but Mr. Young Man was and can only see humanity. Remember that scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.18? Not looking at the things which we see, which are temporary, but the things which we cannot see, they are eternal. They're eternal. And remember, in his question, he was not looking for a God to save him. He was looking for a man to teach him. Good teacher, what can you teach me? And so Jesus plays this, this whole game with this guy. And Richie, like many people in our world today, want to use their goodness to access the good life. Did you ever notice, I don't know if you've noticed this, but you turn on Channel 8, they have segment after segment after segment of, seg- of segments of reporters doing, and now they, they got a whole new effort on Channel 8 to teach all of us how we can access the good life by doing good deeds throughout the city. Man, we're getting kind. I tell you, the world is getting kind. Because you can't earn salvation. It's a free gift. Amen? But Jesus tells this young man, he says, he, 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 he even indulges him with the good law. He says, do not murder. Do not commit Adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and love, especially love your neighbor as yourself. I don't know about you guys, but man, that's a hard one to climb. I've been trying to climb that mountain a long time. You know, that's a, that's a big one. I even Sometimes I even try to speak to that mountain to move into the sea, but it doesn't go anywhere. But notice that Jesus identifies only behaviors. Those that are evident to others. He doesn't address the condition of Mr. Rich's young man's heart. And he also doesn't reference any of the vertical commandments, the ones that cover our relationship with God. Mr. Youngman's next words reveal that his own perceived goodness literally was the God of his heart and the idol that he drew his strength from. And we now see, like many today in our world, he was trying to leverage his goodness to save himself from his emptiness of life apart from God. We see that today. It's rampant in our world. Everybody's trying to leverage their goodness to save themselves. It doesn't work. You only come up empty and frustrated. And then we see Mr. Young's man is frustrated and upset with Jesus. How can you get upset with Jesus? We worship him. If we were upset, we wouldn't be here worshiping him. But he's upset with Jesus at this point. And here's the important question for us to ask ourselves. Why wasn't Richie relieved by Jesus' response? If he had followed Jesus' counsel, then he was set. But he had kept the law. Everything Jesus told him he would do, he, he did it. Based on what Jesus said, eternal life was his, right? Wrong. But Mr. Youngman knew there was more. He had mastered human goodness, yet it had failed to make, his, make him good. It had failed to perfect his soul. And deep down, he knew there was a problem with his soul, and he wrestled with emptiness. Because he ran 
to the good teacher. And how does Jesus respond to a rich young man's frustration? Like any Savior would, with love, with compassion. Jesus loves him by speaking heaven's language in words he can only understand. And if you would prefer, if you were perfect, he said, if you would, he said, if you would be perfect, that's what he told Mr. Rich Young Man, if you would be perfect, go and sell. Are you listening now? Go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Doesn't it say in Matthew 11, come and follow me, learn, learn from me? Learn my ways. Learn my thoughts. Yes, he wanted eternal life, but only on his terms. He could not separate himself from the comforts of his present position, his wealth, and everything he had in possession. Jesus brought him to the brink of death, the death of self, just like us in Galatians 2.20. Where do we start as Christians? Dead. It's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. Amen? I am crucified with Christ. There it is up there. Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Jesus offered him the good life, the eternal life, the perfect life, but the man could not take the ticket. Dang, how many's ever had a ticket at the meat shop? Dang. I need a ticket to heaven. Dang. I like it when you go into those places and they say, Do you have a ticket? Do you have a ticket? Because 90% of the people don't take the ticket. They just assume they're next. When somebody might have the ticket and might be walking around looking at something else and they call out a number and everybody swarms into the meat counter. But like many today, like this Mr. Young Man, they want to be literally the master of their own fate. I mean, I've met hundreds of people who says, I'm sorry, I'm an atheist. I'm sorry too, because the word atheist is not in the Bible. Do you know what you know what God calls an atheist? A fool. Because the fool has said in his heart, There is no God. That's what it says in this book. The fool. There's no atheists. It's just denial. They live on the big river in Egypt. The denial river. Amen? And so when the young man, because, because you have to understand something about this rich young man. He wasn't looking for a savior. He wasn't looking for a Lord. He was looking for a good teacher. That's what the world's looking for today. That's why we're in the information age. And <laughs> it's the good life. They're looking for the good life. But they can't get it. They can only exist. There's no good life without Jesus. And so when the young man heard this, the Bible says in all three accounts, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And this is, when, now this is when the disciples of Jesus asked him, Matthew 19.25. You got that one up there, John? Matthew 19.25. They asked him, 
who then can be saved? His disciples heard it. They were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Here's this dude with wealth, status, possession. He could take us, you know, miles into the kingdom. We could advance the kingdom with his wealth and you... He's gone. He's gone. So who then can be saved? You know what they were doing? Examining themselves and finding themselves at a loss themselves. At a loss themselves. And Jesus replies in the next verse, Matthew 19, 26. He says, with man, this is impossible. But with God... All things are possible. Eternal life cannot be accessed by our goodness, but by receiving God's goodness. Who is God's goodness? Jesus is God's goodness. And people, I, I talk to a lot of people, people have talked to me all day about God, their God, whatever their crazy thoughts are about God. But you mention the word Jesus, and suddenly you're not friends. Suddenly, you're standing alone by yourself. I don't care where you're at. And no matter how good we make ourselves, we cannot become what we were created to be, and we won't experience the good life at all until we drink from the proper source, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And like Mr. Rich Youngman went home to his wealth, possessions, and status, only to discover that he had tasted life because he talked to Jesus who was the life and the light of the world, it says in John 1. And he rejected it. And many today mistakenly believe the story of Mr. Youngman is just about getting rid of all of our wealth and material goods. That's all Jesus wants you to do is get rid of your wealth and material goods and you'll be okay. But there's the thing. Possessions are merely tools. They're neither inherently good or bad. The thing Jesus wanted Mr. Youngman to do was follow him. Just come and follow me. You'll learn. You know, that's why I told you last week, if you remember, get a Bible and only read the red and follow Jesus. Amen? Because Jesus knew that the only way for this man to discover the good life was to follow him and learn the thoughts and thinking of a God-infused life. The life that gives us everything to have, the one thing worth having. And Psalm 84, if you have time later, read it. Psalm 84, it says, <laughs> that's a really great psalm. A really great psalm. Mr. Young Man's possessions were holding him back, and Jesus offered him freedom from what? The control of those things. It was those things that controlled him. They were the idols of his heart. And he got his strength from being a man of wealth that was looked upon. But it didn't offer him eternal life. He was missing it. And keep in mind that Jesus did not require all of his followers to sell everything they had and give their possessions to the poor because when Jesus died, if that was the case, we would have had a problem. What are we going to do with Jesus' body? But how many know God took care of that deal? If you turn to Matthew 27, 57, it says that Joseph of Arimathea was granted an audience with Pilate. 
How do you get an audience with Pilate, the ruler, the emperor, unless you have some possessions? Now when evening had come, they came. There came a, what? Rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. See, the point is that possessions can neither give nor take away life. They are products of life, not life itself. And we have all things before... the. I mean, we, had, we, have, we all have things before we get the holy thing. How many like that one? Let's go, let's go to see that one. Let's go to Luke real quick. I don't have this one on the list, John, I don't think. Luke 135. I want to... I wish I could teach. I have more time, but I don't. So I'm going to make it short. This is Reader Digest version. Luke 1, I can't even get there. You have it up there? No. Luke 135. Luke 135. Oh, it's not even in my Bible, I remember. It's only in the King James. So if you have the King James, it says that Jesus was called the holy thing. Called Jesus the holy thing. You would think God had a better vocabulary than to use the word thing. Wouldn't you think? Why are you using the word thing? Because it means there's no comparison and there's no limit to what this person can do. The Bible says when you find a wife, you find a good thing. I don't know many men that still believe that. I believe it. I believe I found a good thing when I found Marie. She's my everything. She's my good thing. She's without limit and without comparison. Look it up in the Greek. So things that keep us from experiencing what will make us come alive, things that keep us trading our lives for what matters most, things that keep us from following Jesus and learning from him, to find life, you must place these things, your career, your family, your money, your dreams, your success, your relationships, in their proper place. These things, while good, aren't capable of taking you where you want to go. The only one who can give us the good life is God himself, who came as Jesus and offered us eternal life. I like the worship team. If you want to come, get ready. I'm done. Let's go to Acts 4.12 as they're coming. Acts 4.12, one verse. You know, it only takes one verse to really get the truth, really, you know? Acts 4.12. Memorize this one. It'll help you. It says, Nor is there salvation in any other For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. All the criminals said on the cross was, Jesus, remember me when you come into paradise. That's all he said. He didn't say the sinner's prayer. He didn't have to go to the altar. All he had to do is say, Jesus, remember me. there's no other name given. He's not just a good teacher. 
He's a great Savior and a great Lord. Amen. darkness nights you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God all my life and all my life you have been my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God because it's running your goodness is running after it's running Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. One more time, because your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Thank you, Lord. Is your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Sing it all my life. So, so good 
told me that he is counting on you to tap into his favor. He wants to bless you with his favor. To see the surpassing greatness in your life of his power. And what this takes is for you to pray boldly. And this takes people that will take the limits off of God, people that are not intimidated by the size of their dreams and start praying boldly and believing because he wants to pour out his favor and his blessings upon your life. You are blessed of God. You are loved by God. And he is for you, not against you. And his thoughts towards you are all of a hope and a future. You be blessed because you are. Have a great week. God bless. Good day.